Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. Hal Elrod has one of the best selling books ever. It's a miracle morning. You've heard of him and you know you've seen the book at bookstores, online, everywhere, even as a movie out. But the cool thing about Hal is that he's so down to earth. He always gives knowledge that you can directly apply to your life. This interview is no different. He also gives us some books to order, which I ordered while I was talking to him. But listen into this one. You're going to learn a lot. You can push pause. You can take notes. But this one, it's a good one. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts and Success Podcast. And today, I've got Hal Elrod. And man, dude, I I just keep on going back to your book, The Miracle Morning. It's something that every time I'm feeling down or every time I'm like, something's going on in my life where I need structure, I go back to that routine. And thank you for being on. Let's talk, man. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I think I, I, I've, I was on your previous show uh, with Lab Code Agents, I think two, probably at least twice. Uh, I would always get, I get a text from you every few months. Hey, you want to come back on? We need a guest. I'm like, all right, sure. No, I always said yes. And so when yes. I got this text, I was like, heck yeah, you know, happy to be here, man. Have always enjoy our conversations and um, adding value for the listeners, hopefully. And uh, yeah. you always do good, man. You always do good. Now I'm going to start off a little differently this time, only because uh, the world that we live in, I feel there's, there's, there's a cultural shift mm. and you and I both feel it. We see it right? What's something that that you've been struggling with just over the last maybe year, few months that, that you're coming to grasp with that you're now feeling like, I got this and I know how I'm going to tackle it, but what's the challenge? Yeah, a great question. Um, so the challenge is, here's what I would say. When, when March 2020 hit, pandemic hit, uh, you know, as, as, a, as someone who has, I have a big global Miracle Morning community and I feel like I've got a lead. And so I just asked myself, what should I be focused on right now? Well, what should I be focusing on? I as a human being, and therefore I can lead my community to, you know, hey guys, here's what I'm focused on. Here's what you should focus on. And what I found is that when we focus on things that are out of our control, we, as simple as this might sound, we feel out of control. And that's what leads to anxiety and depression and fear. And that which is out of our control has been amplified over the last two years, like never before in my lifetime. You know, every media source amplifies that which is out of our control. It's a virus. It's these riots. It's this group of people. It's right. All of these things that we can't control. And so, the focus on that is amplified, and that's why I think collectively our anxiety is amplified, our fear is amplified, our stress, you know, and depression is amplified. And so for me, I have felt overwhelmed. You know, the struggle has been so much out of my that's out of my control, and much of which I want to help with. Like I want to, you know, I see all this division. This is probably one of the biggest, for me, one of the saddest things is the way people are divided. And what the media is doing is dividing us, is amp again, amplifying that division and making you think that, you know, there's, there's two teams, right? And, and, and we got this team and that team, you know, and if you're on one team, you should hate the other team kind of thing. And the one thing that I've really been, you know, that I've tried to stand for this last year and a half or two years is unity. Like we need to remember that we're all the same. We're human beings on a journey. Who gives a, pardon my French, who gives a shit what your political party is or, or any other ideology that you would, great, embrace it, go all in while you love the opposite, while you love other people, while you understand that we're all just doing the best that we can with what we believe to be true. And if you think that somebody else is wrong, then embrace them with compassion, not judgment, not condemnation. 
So, so for me, those are two sides of kind of the coin is the one thing we can focus on. The only thing that we can control is ourselves. So it does go back to that miracle morning. I've doubled down on my miracle morning practice. And so have millions of people in the miracle morning community going, okay, yeah, there's a lot I can't control, but I get really stressed when I focus on that. So I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to focus on being the best version of myself. I'm going to optimize myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and be the best me I can be. And that's all I can do. And when I do that, my life's better and I impact people around me in, in a better way. So that's the individual aspect. And then the other piece is, the, is how do you treat other people? How do you show up for your fellow human beings um, and showing up with love and compassion and consideration and understanding and empathy and all of those things. So that to me is kind of the two sides of the coin that I've struggled with um, and, and really doubled down on taking care of myself, my self-care, my miracle morning every day and really being conscious of viewing everyone, especially those that have opposing opinions or views that I do as my brothers and sisters who I love dearly, just like my own family. Dude, that's, there's a lot of good things to unpack there. So first off, I agree with you a hundred percent. That was really good. Good start. <laughs> I know. Good start. I think we can continue, right? <laughs> you won't hang up on me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How has the miracle morning changed for you in in your approach to it in the last two years? Has it, or are you still approaching it the same way? You know, yeah, really approaching it kind of the same way. So I went through a period. Um, for those listening that don't know, uh, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive cancer about five years ago, and I was given a twenty to thirty percent chance of surviving. Right, so it's really grim odds. You know, you look at the other side of that is is seventy to eighty percent chance I was going to die. And I have, uh, my daughter at the time was seven, my son was four. So, you know, the thought of dying and leaving your kids without a dad is, is just, is, is, is horrifying. Um, the, oh, where was I going with that? What'd you ask me? <laughs> no, how has your approach? Oh, Miracle Morning. Miracle that's morning. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do suffer from brain damage, which was exacerbated by the chemotherapy. So that's my excuse. But, um, so I, uh, at, at one point, about three years into chemotherapy, I had done over 650 hours of chemo and there's something that they call chemo brain. And it's usually like they it's said in a lighthearted way, like, oh, that's just chemo brain. That's, you know, like doctors will dismiss what you're struggling with. And I started reading a book on your brain from chemo and like really understanding. And I'm like, this isn't funny. Like it's not, it's not something to, to be brushed aside. This is, there's real, you know, chemo is poison and essentially brain, your body and your brain are being poisoned for at that point, three years. And so it took a number on my cognitive ability and I developed anxiety for the first time in my life, like anxiety to where I'd be, a, I'd be nervous to answer my best friend's call for no logical reason. I would Whoa. be terrified to show up to this conversation, even though I've done hundreds of interviews with no problem. I would be like, I, I, I so I ended up like my business, I had, I had a whole team I had built. I let them all go. I couldn't manage them anymore. I couldn't run meetings. I was terrified to show up to my meetings. So I developed anxiety, which led to like really bad depression to where I didn't want to live anymore. I would wake up and think, how could I kill myself in a way that wouldn't affect my family in a negative way? And, you know, and there was just no good answer, thank God. So, you know, and so I'm still here. Um, there was no, uh, you know, as much as I would strategize. That really <laughs> there I'm was glad no, you had logic there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Interesting. There was, but, but I was in such a dark place. And part of what when I like when I was 20 years old again for those that don't know I won't go into a lot of detail but I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour I was found dead at the scene woke up from a coma three weeks later had broken 11 bones was told I would never walk again and so during that time I asked myself why did this happen to me and not from like a victim place of like oh woe is me but like what's the purpose in this how can I use this experience for good how can I benefit myself and and, and other people and I really at that point I took on this Kind of responsibility of I have a responsibility to overcome my adversity and fulfill my potential for not just myself but for the good of others like for for to, to lead by example for other people 
So when I got cancer, it was the same thing. Okay, I guess I'm supposed to go through something else to learn something else for my evolution and to serve others. When I had the depression, that's kind of the only thing that kept me going. Well, my family kept me going. But one thing that really kept me going is I am now suffering from mental health issues that I've never suffered before. And, and as the pandemic was rolling out and people were being laid off and, you know, businesses were collapsing, I became really aware that mental health is going to become a crisis. Like it's, it already was a crisis, I think going into the pandemic, but a crisis, like it's never been before. And pre pandemic, pre this anxiety and depression, this, you know, the chemo effects, I, I had never been that in that dark of a place where I wouldn't have been able to empathize or understand what people were going through. So as I was going through it, I go, oh, this is how dark, this is how how desperate, how depressed, how suicidal people get when, 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 you know, when, when life's difficult. And I have a responsibility, not only to myself, not only to my family, but to humanity to get through this and figure it out so that I can help them do the same. And, and, and then, then the other thing I asked is why is my miracle morning not getting me out of depression? Cause my, the miracle morning, when I created it in 2008, it, it was because I was depressed, not, not nearly like I wasn't suicidal depressed, but I was broke. Like my finances were a mess because of the economy crashed. And so I created this morning routine, you know, the story, right? Like to, to turn things around, it turned it around so fast. I called it my miracle morning. Right. So that, that's that the backstory, but but I'm going, okay, wait a minute. I'm doing my miracle morning every day, right? This is a long way getting around to really answering your question here. But I go, I'm doing a miracle morning every day and I'm still suffering from anxiety and depression. Why isn't it work, quote unquote working, you know? Because um, it did before, why not now? And I went back, I have a three ring binder from the miracle morning, my own miracle mornings from 2007, eight, nine. I don't know when I stopped keeping that binder, but it was like the, the OG miracle morning when I first thought of it and I was so excited and creating it and, you know, evolving it. And I went back and I go, what am I doing? Is there anything I'm doing differently now than I was doing then? And and the answer was, yeah, I had gotten so far away from the fundamentals. And this is so common, right? This happens in every, when you're in your sales career. You know, when I'm in my sales career, I got into a sales slump and I realized I've gotten away from the basics, right? The, the fundamentals. And so with the Miracle Morning, this is really a, a long way of saying, I realized that the way I wrote about it in the book, the way I did it in 2008, 2009, just sticking to the, the, the savers, those six practices, what made all the difference in the world. And so I pulled out my affirmations from 2010, 2011. I started reading those instead of the new ones that I had written. I just got back to the fundamentals, to the basics. And, uh, and within a matter of weeks, I, again, depression was gone and I, I felt back to normal and, you know, and, and got back on track. You know, there's something that you, you mentioned there besides going back to the basics and savers, I think uh, from just interviewing some of these other high achievers, I, I've, it was a conversation I had with, I think it was Tony Robbins's son when he brought up the, the habits that we create, right. That you're just recreating here. Yeah. There's also a, there's also chemicals attached to it on how it's functioning in our bodies. Mm. And so what you just mentioned to me, how it's fighting that depression or just like replacing it. Right. It's that comp chemical composition that we just don't talk about that's saying, Hey, look, there's a new set of chemicals that just took over. And this is how you're going to feel now, because this is what you're training your body to feel like. Yeah. And that's interesting, dude. I love your response. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, yeah. It was, it was really just, it was getting back to the fundamentals. And I think that in right in life, we're always, you know, our, our society has conditioned us to want new, we want the new app and the new phone and the new ah. strategy. And, and when we, and we, we either because we get bored of doing the same thing, right? Um, or because we're we're looking for something new. And if we've heard of it before, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't excite us, right? Um, but the reality is, if you if you look at the best athletes in the world, they're just the best at the fundamentals, right? They're they're not. It's not the new pitch, the new curveball, the new the new kick, the new shot, the new. No, it's not, it's not new. It's the fundamentals over and over and over again. So I just got back to the basics. It was silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, 
scribing. If anybody listening doesn't know what that is, that is the acronym SAVERS, which is those are the six practices of the Miracle Morning. Um, and really six of the most timeless, proven personal development practices of all time, right? It's not just me. Like these are what the world's most successful people in most walks of life have done for centuries, long before you or I, you know, Tristan were around. Dude, that's so true. How many, and just side note, how many languages is the book translated into now? I think 37. That's cr- yeah. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. 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 You know, what's interesting. We, so um, the miracle morning uh, it'll be the 10 year anniversary this December. So the book came out on 12, 12, 12, December 12, 2012 was the original pub date. And so for the last, you know, nine plus years, I've been like, you know, when will I ever do like a major updated and expanded edition? And I always thought like, yeah, the 10 year anniversary probably. Right. And that date always felt so far off. And now I'm like, shoot, that's this year. I got, I got to figure it out. And so um, I'm, I'm updating the book and um, anyway, but so my, my agent wants me to shop it around to publishers, which, cause it's self-published to this day, it's still self-published. Um, and uh, wow. which is crazy. Uh, yeah. And she, uh, but so, but she's like, let's, let's see what we can, you know, what, what, what publishers want to do with this. So we're creating a proposal and I, anyway, I'm not going to go too far down this road, but I was, I realized I'm like, well, I didn't realize you know, how many copies we had sold in like these territories. I didn't know that it was the number two book in 2018 in Brazil of every book of Tony Robbins books, like every single American author and international author public, you know, it's number two. And like, anyway, so yeah, it was just, it was wild. It was literally this morning I was going through and editing this proposal and going, I hadn't, I like, I was not even aware uh, of the impact it had made. Number two in 2018 for Brazil. That's pretty insane, man. Yeah. Yeah. When I went and spoke, I went and spoke down in Brazil and I did a media tour a few, a couple of years ago and uh, they gave me this plaque. If you would ask me how many books have you sold in Brazil, I'd say probably like, I don't know, 50,000. It's done really well there. And they bring me this plaque that says 500,000 copies sold in Miracle <laughs> Morning. And the publisher goes, Hey, just presenting you with this. And I go, my book has sold that many copies in Portuguese. What? Wow. Wait, dude, how many, how many copies has your book sold? Just, um, I, I, it's hard to estimate every, very few of the foreign publishers tell you. Um, and so, but we, we, we estimate it's about 3 million, give or take. Dude, that's congratulations. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. It's a lesson for anybody, by the way, right. That like I self-published the miracle morning and no one knew who I was. Like I didn't have an audience. I just, the miracle morning had changed my life so profoundly that I had taught it to all of my coaching clients. It had changed their life so profoundly that I I thought if it changed my life and I wasn't a morning person and it changes my clients' lives and most of them are not morning people, this could change the world. Like I have, it goes back. I have a responsibility to use my life experience to help other people. And so if you're listening, like just, I really believe that, you know, um, that that mindset, you know, uh, who was it? Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And I think one of the most selfish things you can do to take care of yourself is to truly become selfless, to truly wake up every day and ask, how can I serve people today? How can I, how can I selflessly add value to my family, to my clients, to people that I don't know? Like, how can I be that person? Just It's just basically a way of being. How can I become the person that just is of service to others. And, and, and I found that, it, and if you do it long enough, you know, it took me a long time for the miracle morning to, you know, to catch fire and take off. But, um, but uh, I think your success is inevitable if you really live a life of, of service for other people. Has that become a habit into just how you function? Just you're, you always come for value and contributing to others. Yeah. And I catch myself sometimes, you know, in, in a, like a selfish mode where I'm like trying to get some, you know, I'm thinking about me and not the other people. And so, and I try to, you know, like that's that I'll get, I'll get lazy kind of thing, but it, it, it happened in 2004. I think I read the book love is the killer app by app app. Uh, love is the killer app by Tim Sanders. Who's the former COO of Yahoo. And when I read that book, basically his book was about like, you know, when you focus on adding value for other people, that increases your value to other people. That's how you get promoted. That's how you, you know, get clients. That's how you do, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and so when I read that, I defined my purpose in life to selflessly add value to the lives of other people. 
And so, so it's been, so what was that? 17 years ago. So it's been 17 years that that's been one of my affirmations and it's kind of my North star, if you will. Um, and I found that that is like when you really can get to that place and it might, if that's not natural, if that, you know, right, like you might need to condition that you might need to affirm it. You might need to meditate on it and, you know, pray on it or whatever, like to really, you know, lean into that mindset. Um, but I find that the universe just, it rewards you, you know, it, 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 it really does. That's a common struggle that I see throughout a lot of people going back to our very first, where we started the conversation. I think a current struggle is forgetting that there are other opinions and that, that ego, that self-driven desire to, to, to just want to be right, I guess, or have control over something that just, we don't understand. Yeah. I think that's, that's hard, man, because a lot of people don't even know that that's how they function. Yeah. So, so uh, this is actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I, the other day, so it was about a week ago. Um, I had a, a personal issue, uh, and uh, I haven't been depressed for a while. You know, and what's interesting is when you've suffered a really like trauma depression, you know what I mean? Like, like depression or any kind of trauma, you know, but depression is definitely a form of trauma when you've suffered that it, 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 then it's right. It's, it's like, it's buried in your, in somewhere in your subconscious and just beneath, beneath the surface to where sometimes you wake up and you're like, Oh shit, wait, am I feeling depressed? Mm-hmm. Wait, is that, huh? You know, right. And you're, you know, so, so, so it's like, it's always kind of there and you kind of, then it's almost like you learn to live with it, manage it and, and minimize it, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when necessary, listen to it. Cause you go, wait, what's this, is there something this is telling me? So the other, about a week ago, I got into a conflict with somebody, which is, which is rare. Like I am not an angry person. I don't experience the emotion of anger very much. In fact, it's hard for me to do that. Sometimes I actually need to tap into it more. Um, but, but so I, so that I struggled with that. Well, uh, about a week ago, someone said some things to me and they really violated my identity and my values. Like basically said that uh, I didn't care about others and like, just like the opposite of how I truly believe who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they were, they were doing it because they were hurt and they were trying to hurt me. And you know, that, that it's a whole story, but, um, but I, I've never, I don't remember, I'm sure I've probably been there, but I, 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 I was so hurt. I was so hurt. And then it made me so angry because they wouldn't, like, I just, I was trying to be vulnerable with them and let them know I was hurt. And they were like, they just, they brushed me aside. They're like, don't talk to me. You know, I don't want anything to do with you. It really, yeah. I mean, yeah, right. I was, I was just thinking the same thing. Um, your facial expression says it all, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but so, so it lasted for a couple of days and I was, I mean, I wanted to like break something. I like, I was so mad. And, and then I was falling asleep and this is when I always have my epiphanies. It's always, it's usually not during my miracle morning. It's almost always when I'm falling asleep. And then I bring that, whatever the epiphany was, I bring that, I always write it down before bed. And then in the morning I meditate on it. I, I journal about it. I write affirmations. That's kind of my process. And, um, and so I realized I was falling asleep and feeling so upset. I don't know what it was, but this voice in my head is like, what part of you is hurt? And I went, huh? And I realized it's my ego, not ego in the way we usually think of it, like pride. It wasn't that ego. It was our ego, the way I would define it as the identity that we've created. I've created an identity that says I am a selfless person. I genuinely want to help other people. I care about others. I, you know, I am kind. I am loving. I am compassionate, all these things. And this other person violated those, that identity for me. Right. And I realized oh, my ego is what's hurt. But I don't believe that we are our ego. I believe our ego is a part of us. I believe we are the the bigger I, if you will, right? We are consciousness. We are God consciousness, however you want to look at it. Um, we are spirit, right? We are, we're, you know, ego is this very primitive part of us that serves a purpose. Um, and many people let it control them. Like they literally identify with their ego so much that it's, they just believe that's who I am. I am this CEO or this person or this mom or this realtor or this whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and so as soon as I became aware, and this is really, this is, I'm sharing this for people. I think it will be, I think it'll land for a lot of people. As soon as I became aware, oh, it's my ego that's hurt. 
and I realized that I am I'm more than my ego. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not my ego. That's just a very small part of me that I um, either can allow to overtake me as I have done that the last few days I had done. And then I was immediately able to let it go and go, look, the real I doesn't care. The higher I, the, the high version of me, the best version of me, it doesn't care what people say. It doesn't get offended. Like that's small time thinking. What you say has nothing to do with me. Like that's the, the things the person was saying, right? If someone says something that, or that really upsets you, you got to look at that has nothing to do with them right? And, and, and everything to do with you, that you're allowing that to affect what's most likely your ego. You believe that this is right and you stand by these morals and these virtues and that they're violating your identity or whatever. But when you actually transcend that ego and you go, oh, hey, you're allowed to think whatever you want. And I respect that. And I love you, even though you're mean to me or you hate me. Like, that's okay. You know, like you're allowed to do you. And obviously you got some, some stuff you're struggling with inside that's causing you to lash out and, 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 you know, and, and say mean things to me, but I won't, I won't allow your inner turmoil to cause me inner turmoil. And so I immediately text the person that I had had conflict with for a couple of days. And I literally was like, I don't think I'm going to have this person in my life anymore. I cannot get over this. That's where I was at. And literally, the, as soon as I realized, oh, wait a minute, this I'm letting my ego drive me right now. I immediately text them and said, hey, I just want you to know I love you. I want to work through this. And I'm blessed to have you in my life. That was the text. Whoa. And it went from, I mean, I went, it was a complete 180. And their response was, I feel the same way. And the next day we talked and we're good. And it just shows that how you're feeling about another person has little to do with the other person and everything to do with how you are allowing what they did or said to affect you. And you can transcend that and, you know, remember that the relationship is more important than the, the conflict always. Interesting, man. That's, that goes right into where our current culture is in, because I mean, totally. I, it's like, I'm just going to, give you a perfect example. It's like with, uh, with what's happening with Joe Rogan right now. Right. It's like, I feel like people are somehow less forgiving and are looking for how to poke people and find things wrong with everything that a human can possibly do. It's like, they forget that we all make mistakes, right? Even if we make mistakes, let's be forgiving and let's, let's try to talk it through. So why do you think that, our culture is, is, is there right now where we're, it seems like we're just less forgiving. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's the first thought that comes to mind. I don't know if this is the answer, but is, is the media is that, is, is that the division being perpetuated? And when I say media, I mean, literally it's, it's not just the mainstream media, it's politicians, right? I mean, the, the, the division between, you know, those people, right? Those people, you know, those, uh, like those Trump supporters, they're all racist. And so I'm like, I, I have like, I, I'm apolitical myself. I don't really align with a political party. I just kind of see the pros and the cons and the faults with both. So there's none that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all in. You're totally right on. Um, but I have friends that are huge Trump supporters that are like the kindest people on the planet. They're not racist. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. I have friends that are Biden supporter, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think that it's, it's the, the division and I don't know, you know, and it may be the divide and conquer mentality, right? I think there may be a strategy, um, not, not to get too conspiratorial, but that, uh, that, yeah, that there's this divide and conquer the way to control the people is to divide and conquer. And so I think that there may mm. be, um, that at work with uh, our political parties and the mainstream media, which is really the mouthpiece for the political parties, you know? And um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think that, that, that that may be it. And you start fueling that, right? It's like anything, you, you plant seeds and, and those, right? You take a, a person who otherwise has always been loving and never even thought about politics or the other side or, you know, um, but all of a sudden you plant a seed and you go, hey, that person, you know, they're not wearing a mask. They don't care about you or your grandma, right? And it's like, <laughs> that's so interesting right? i've heard that i've seen yeah it, it's yeah. like real really no and but right but, but then they hear it a couple more times and they go maybe they're right you are an evil human being you're not wearing a mat you don't care about my grandma 
she could get, you know? And it's like, no, that's just a story. That's a narrative. That's not a fact. You don't know what that person cares about or why they're doing, you know, right? And so I think that it's these narratives that are very divisive that have been infiltrated through various sources into our consciousness, right? Into the collective consciousness. And then those, those are planted as seeds and then they grow. I mean, I'll tell you, I saw there's a gal who was an example firsthand. There is a gal that was in, uh, I, I ran a mastermind for many years and we, I ran a live event for many years and she was in our mastermind for multiple years. She was the sweetest person that I have ever, like, I mean, I just, I just knew her as just a sweet person. She was so kind and sweet. Everybody loved her. She just had great energy. And then, I don't know, it was maybe six months ago, she posts, she started posting on social media these rants about, and I don't even remember if it was like, you know, I don't know if it was like, maybe if you're not getting the the jab, it might've been that, or if you're not wearing a mask, I don't even remember what her stance was. I just remember she was saying like, you deserve to die. And I'm like, I could not, who, I I die, what? I couldn't even comprehend that this person had bought into these narratives Mm -hmm. that had turned them from what I knew is this really loving person to, if you don't agree with me, you deserve to die. And here's my justifications as to why that is. And so, um, so yeah, I think, I think that that's it. I think seeds of hate and division have been planted in our society and they have been growing and they've grown and grown and grown from seeds to, you know, to weeds to, you know, to now they're overtaking. How do we guard from that? Honestly, I think, for me, I think it's the miracle morning. Um, in fact, let me, give me a second. Actually, I'm going to read something to you if it's Ooh, okay. Good. Yes, definitely. I, so I posted this uh, six hours ago on my social media channels. Um, and I, I really posted this. Uh, actually, it was not all my social media channels. It was just in the miracle morning community, the Facebook group. And here's what I said. I said, miracle morning community. The miracle morning mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. That is a literal statement, not a catchphrase. As I'm reading the book, The Inner Work right now, I came across the following excellent description of how our miracle mornings are doing exactly that, elevating consciousness. And I wanted to share this with you and get your thoughts on it. So here we go. This is the excerpt from the book, The Inner Work, which I highly recommend. The next stage of human evolution is not physical adaptation, but an evolution of consciousness an internal shift that can only be brought about through the inner choice of peace, happiness, and love. As each individual makes the higher choice to transcend limiting themes of consciousness, such as shame, fear, anger, and pride, humanity as a whole will gradually adapt to new levels of maturity, eventually leading to inner liberation for all. Therefore, every individual is important, needed, and a necessary part of the greater whole. Everyone must do their own inner work. No one can do it for us. Every thought and action of the individual contributes to the collective consciousness. There is no separation. And to wrap up, you are a crucial part of the greater whole. Deciding to choose love, happiness, and the peace of remembering who you truly are. And while the effects of your choices will have immense benefits for you personally, the world will benefit a thousandfold. For every time we heal a personal limitation and trauma within ourselves, we are healing it within the collective as well by holding the door open for others to come join us by following our example. There could be no greater contribution to humanity than doing your own inner work. And I posted that in the context of what the miracle morning is. That's how our mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity. That's how by every single one of us waking up and dedicating time in the morning to elevating our thoughts, our words, our actions, our awareness as to how our thoughts, words, and actions impact other people in our lives and impact our own consciousness. Um, We become the change that we want to see in the world. And then there's a ripple effect. It, It impacts our family. We go out into the, you know, we greet our kids and our, our spouses in that state of love and empathy and peace. And it affects them. And then it affects everybody that we see at work. It affects how we interact on social media. So the answer is that we all have to take responsibility for 
elevating our consciousness to be one of love and compassion and empathy and understanding. And then when we focus on our inner work, we become that change that we want to see in the world and we impact, we, we are the ripple effect. Dude, that was very well said. I just, I found it in the Miracle Morning community right now, which is hard. Go. to. I'm going to share that. Thank you. Yeah, brother. Let's talk about the group for a little bit because that's no joke. 325,000 people in a group. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's massive. all organic. I'm not a marketer. Like, well, I mean, I guess I'm a marketer, but I did, but I've never run like Facebook ads. That is from people reading the book and then joining the community, you know? Um, and, and we did, it, so it's from 217 countries are represented in that group. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I was in there today. I actually ended up doing a podcast on kind of the miracle morning mission. It was what I just read to you guys is, uh, and gals is what kind of sparked my the podcast I recorded today. But, you know, I go into the community and there's posts, you know, today was my first day of the miracle morning. This is this gal, Ashley. I already feel so proud of myself and can't wait to see the continued benefits from making this a habit. I've never posted here before, but I've found so much inspiration from what I read here. Hope everyone is, has a great Tuesday, you know, and then on and on and on, you see these people and then, and you scroll a little further and this gal says, I'm on day 900 of the miracle morning. Right? So, <laughs> That's so, insane. So you go into a community where you have people on day one and day 900 supporting each other. And, and I'll tell you, Tristan, I really believe it. you can, anybody can go join the Miracle Morning community on Facebook, spend five minutes in there. And you see, this is, this is humanity at its finest. Yeah. This is what we've been describing and talking about where people show up. Nobody talks about what their, what political party they adhere to or what religion or, you know, no. And they're from around the world it transcends age. It transcends race. It transcends religion. It transcends political ideologies. These are human beings realizing that we all want the same thing. We are all on the same journey that is life. And we all just want to be happy and healthy and make a difference and, and be and be safe with our families. Like that's what we need to amplify, not the division, not the differences. And so, yeah, the Miracle Morning community, like it just, it lights me up because I go, this is humanity at its finest. This is people supporting each other and loving each other and not even asking what you think about the hot issue topics today, you know? Such a great point, man. I love that. And I love elevating the human consciousness. That's, that's super amazing. How do you keep, how do you keep that group going? Is there anything that you do consistently besides just show up and post or does it go on its own? It's on its own. For the most part, it's on its own, um, which you can imagine 330,000 people, uh, you know, that it, it starts to sustain itself. But what happened is, so I, I'd rather share kind of where it started because anybody yes. listening, right? I think yeah. it's so important. We look at a number like that and you go, oh my gosh, like psh, that's so far. Like, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. You know, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I can't even imagine how, what it would take to get there. I started the group because I was, the book was in the 11th hour. Like I, I, it was my final draft. I had sent it to a handful of friends and family uh, and asked them to read it and give me like final feedback before it went to print. And my good buddy, John Vroman, he's the founder of Front Row Dads, which Tristan, I don't know why you're not in that group. You need to join dude, Front Row Dads. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, dude, it's the greatest group I've ever been a part of. But um, the, uh, so he said, Hal, do you have like an online community where, readers of the book are going to be able to go and, you know, like support each other. Cause it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it's a lonely thing. Like you're doing a miracle morning. Nobody, you know, everybody else is asleep in the house. You're by yourself. You know, it would help if people had other people, they could go, Oh, you're doing it too. Cool. Right. And so I launched this Facebook group with me and him in it. <laughs> that was it. And then I think I added like my mom and dad and like, you know, asked a few friends if they would join. But I mean, it started out with like, you know, within the first week, there was like a dozen people. Um, and uh, and so I had to facilitate, you know, I would go in there every day and I would post questions and like start the conversations. Um, and then now it's, you know, it's been, I mean, what, 10 years, almost 10 years, nine years since we started the group. And um, it just grows organically from people reading the book. And in the book, there are it's, it invites people to join the community and, you know, has a, a URL, which if you're listening, it's miraclemorningcommunity.com that redirects you to the Facebook group. So come join and, uh, you know, and uh, join the inspiring community. Dude. Awesome. Great job. I'm taking a look at that. I just posted, I love this group on there. So there you go. <laughs> awesome, Thank you. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's an amazing group. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I need to get it off Facebook though, because 
you know, Facebook's algorithms, they, they don't show the 300,000 people your post. They show like 900 people your post and it, yeah, it kills me. So I'm like, I can't even reach all of the community. So yeah, it's been on my list for many, for years to get it off of Facebook. I got to find a, you know, figure out a better alternative. Yeah. I think your own app, its own community. We just launched the app. And so that is, you know, that, that is the long-term vision is that we literally duplicate the Facebook group in the app, but yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a, a big programming undertaking <laughs> from what, from what I'm you. hearing from the guys that know what they t- they're talking about. Let's talk about reading because I know you're, you're a pretty big reader. Yeah. Where do you fit that in your day? And typically, how is it that you read? Do you read just through a book, take notes, or you stop, you digest? How is it that you read and at what point in the day do you read? Yeah. So, uh, so this, the R in savers is for reading, right? So that's one of the, the practices of the miracle morning. And so I read for about 10 minutes every morning. Um, and actually that's not true. I, 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 I normally extend. So when I do my savers, I, I was, I was thinking about the original savers, which was, I did 10 minutes for each of the six practices, but since then it's evolved. I do five minutes of visualization, five minutes of affirmation. So some of the practices I do shorter and then my readings usually about 20 minutes. So it's a longer, that's the longest piece of the miracle morning for me. Um, but it's about 10 pages. And if you figure like, if you think about it, 10 pages a day, that's 3,650 pages a year right? That's the equivalent of 18, 200 page books. So you think about that, that you're knocking out a book and a half a month, right? So, so, you know, so slow down, you're, that's even a book a month. Like I don't care who you are, you're going to transform your thinking, your life. Yeah. Your, you know, if you're reading a book a month on topics that are relevant to the areas of your life that you want to improve or optimize. Um, so it's 20 minutes in the morning. And then I actually do read before bed as well. Before bed, I read books that I've already read. I do my rereading in the evening. I'm a big believer in rereading. Oh. I, think it's, I get more value when I reread a book than when I read the book initially. That's why I'm rereading that book, The Inner Work that I mentioned earlier. Nice. Um, here's how I read in the morning. I have, a, uh, I have a pen with me and I underline everything that I feel I would need to recall from that book. So I probably underline about a fourth of the, every book that I read. I mean, it's a lot of underlining. And the reason for that is the rereading part. When I come to reread the books, which, and this is my process, I always read and then I reread and then I read and then I reread and I read and I reread. When I reread, I don't have a pen with me because I've already t- underlined, not only do I underline, but I also circle keywords that I want to like pop out that represent what I'm about to read or, or what that paragraph's about. I also write in the margin my kind of my cliff notes in the margin, the, the margin, I usually don't write what the content is. I write how I will use the content. So for example, if I read something and I go, Ooh, I need to integrate that into my speech, right? Like into my keynote message. Um, I will write in the margin, add to speech. Um, if I read something that I need to talk to my wife, I go, Ooh, I should share that with my wife, with Ursula. That would really be a good conversation for us to have. I will write in the margin, share with Ursula. And so now what I'm doing is I'm turning that book into a resource that I can go back to over and over and over and over again. I can quickly go back the highest level or what I wrote in the margins. Cause that's not a lot. I write, you know, maybe one thing on any given page, if, if anything, but I can go back and I can just, I can go flip page by page. Oh yeah. That's that thing I wanted to add to my speech coming up. Oh yeah. That's that conversation with Ursula. Right. So I can, I can within minutes regain those key actionables that I got from the book. And then in terms of if I want to capture the entire book and reread it, I reread everything I've underlined, which again, it's about a fourth of the book, maybe a fifth of the book. So that means I can reread that entire book in a fourth of the time and get pretty much all the value that I got from the first time around. Sometimes more value because I'm not taking all that time to stop and and, and write and underline. I'm just flowing and I'm only reading the most, what I've deemed the most important content from the book. That's brilliant, man. I love that. That's yeah, really good. good. Dude, I'm an avid reader. And I was like, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I just took notes on that. So what are some of your top books that you could think of right now that you'd say, Hey, you know what? These, these really change the way I think and the way I process information. Yeah. The first one is the inner work, um, that I I'm rereading that for the, I think the third time right now it's, it, what's funny is I was working on a book last year 
called, uh, I didn't have a title for it, but it was the top topic of it was inner freedom. And the way that I define inner freedom is it's our ability to choose our experience of life in every moment, right? Meaning if you want to be happy, inner freedom is that you can choose in any moment, no matter what's going on in your life to be happy. If you want to be excited, if you want to be at peace, if you want to feel fulfilled, inner freedom is that ability. So that's what I was working on. To me, it's the most important aspect of life, right? Because if you can choose how you feel, then you can create this state, right? Tony Robbins would call that state management, I guess. But you can create the state that you need, the emotion that you need, the feeling that you need, the mindset that you need to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish, Mm -hmm. right? You need to heal a relationship. Boom, get in that state, right? Choose that state and, and, and go do it, right? You need to get motivated. You need to be confident. So, so anyway, so that's inner freedom. So I'm reading this book, The Inner Work, as like, because I had I'd found it and I go, oh, this looks similar to what I'm writing about. I want to do it for research. And I read it and I was so conflicted because I go, this is the book I was going to write. <laughs> and, and in some ways, it's way better than what I was writing son of a, like, you know, and, uh, and so I was conflicted and I actually did a podcast about it. And I said, guys, I don't know if I'm writing this book anymore. Just go read this one. Like, I don't, this, this, this book already exists in the world. They did an amazing job, you know? So, um, that's anyways, so that's, that's my hardcore endorsement for that book, the inner work by it's by Matthew Micheletti and Ashley Cottrell. The, the cover's purple. If you go find it on Facebook. Um, you know, honestly too, I just, uh, and this might sound uh, self-serving, but it's not meant to be. Um, I just co-authored a book, uh, The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. And we did a follow-up, a companion to that, The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families playbook. Now, my emphasis right now, what I want to mention is the impact that the playbook made on me. And to be fair, my name is on the front of it. I didn't write any of it. Well, I wrote the intro, and right? But, but my co-authors wrote that book. They actually came to me. Now we both collaborated on the miracle morning for parents and families. And they came to me and they said, Hal, since we wrote that book, we have these seven exercises that we do as a family. And we want, we have this idea for doing a playbook where it's, it'll be a, it'll be like a, like an eight and a half by 11, like a larger book that will be more like a workbook that they'll actually write in. And we'll tell them there are seven exercises. We'll, so it's, it's family meetings, family values, a bedtime ritual, um, how to set family goals. Right. And, um, and so I thought the idea was brilliant. They wrote it, it they created it, they execute. Once I got it and I read it, I go, Oh my, it was better than I imagined. And it was just, it was literally like, instead of most books are a lot of concepts and you're like, "Mm, you know, I'll chew on that for a while. This was like, Here's how you, here's how, here's family goals. Here's why they're important. Here's exactly how we set ours. And here's a template for you to do yours. It was just, it's just action, 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 action. What's the title again? I'm looking at The it Miracle up. Morning for Parents and Families Playbook. So playbook at the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families Playbook. So my family and I, we are doing our family meeting every week and we have our family values. It's in like, This is my dream come true. I've tried to get my family to do personal development forever, um, especially my kids. And the older they got, the harder it's got, you know, like when they were little, they'd be like, sure, daddy, I'll do affirmations, right? And now my daughter's 12 and she's like, leave me alone. So this, so, but I got my wife's buy-in and I was because of the book. Like I, we've tried it in the past and nobody was into it. And I was pulling teeth. I showed, I read her. I'm like, Hey, our friends, Mike and Lindsay McCarthy wrote this playbook. Can I read you this? Can we read this chapter together? You know? And so we started, we, we read the book and it was, it's I mean, it, it's compelling. You're like, yeah, how could I not do this? Like I'd be, I'd be a jerk of a parent if I didn't implement these amazing things with my family. So she got on board and, and we created our family values. And so now I'm able to integrate these lessons with my kids that are so crucial to shaping their mindset um, by every week we take turns, we, we go, you know, you can see on the screen here, the family values, there's quite a few of them, probably yeah. 12. Um, and I'll, I'll read one of them. So for example, love, um, actually, no, let me read this one. Uh, p- people of principle, we live in alignment with our values 
always striving to do what's right, even when it's not easy, no matter what. Integrity. We do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it, whether we feel like it or not. In doing so, people know they can trust us and we can trust ourselves. Teamwork. As a family, we work together and support each other to achieve both our individual goals and our family goals. So on and on and on. Gratitude, confidence, kindness, love, acceptance, all these values. And every week we take turns and I read one, then my wife reads one, and then my kids read one. And we go round and round and round. Um, And it's just, it's like, it's just music to my ears having these kids tell themselves over and over and over week after week. I love myself and I love other people and I accept others as they are. And I know people make mistakes and I forgive myself for the mistakes I make and I forgive others for the mistakes they make. Right. Like so important. It's the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, right? Dude, Like yes. getting my kids to, to, at a young age to really buy into that and then to embody that. And then we have our family goals on here. Um, mom's goals, dad's goals, Sophia's goals, Halston's goals. And we have a hard goal for the year and a fun goal for the year. Dude. So we set, we set a hard goal that's not easy. It's difficult. And then a fun goal, which is obviously fun, right? And then every week, we I, this is new. I just did this for the first time last week. I have a blank line for the hard goal and for the fun goal for mom, for dad, for my kid, my kids. Oh. And that's our that's our action for the week. What will you do this week? What are you committed to doing this week? to move closer to your hard goal and then your fun goal. And then we are holding each other. So last week was the first week we did this. And then this next week, we'll, it'll be the first week we get to hold each other accountable, but it's amazing. My wife had wanted to start working out and she, she just, she was, she got COVID and just, you know, just, she had a tough start to the year and just never got around to it. Well, since we did our family meeting two days ago and she committed in writing that she was going to work out every day from eight 30 to 9 AM She's done it the last three days, you know, since we did it. So it's like, it's, it, it's amazing. So yeah. So the miracle morning for parents and families playbook has been honestly been a game changer for, for my family. I just ordered it. So as you we were talking, I'm like, damn, dude, I need this. This makes total sense. Cause yes, we, I've been wanting to do this. It's like, give me the structure. Cause totally. I, I have tiny little piece of it, Yeah, but that this makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hal, thank you so much, man. That brings us to the top of the hour. I took a bunch of notes on this. I ordered two books already while I was talking to you. <laughs> nice. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate this. Anywhere you would want people to visit uh, websites or anything else you want them to go and check you out more on? Yeah, just go to go to miraclemorning.com. There's a lot there. Um, the movie is there. You can access the Miracle Morning movie, which we didn't talk about, but that's a documentary about my cancer journey and spreading the Miracle Morning around the world. It's really cool. You can watch the trailer there and, and access the movie. You can, you know, the all the books are there. The whole series is there. There's a link to join the community, right? The app is there. Like miraclemorning.com is the hub for all things Miracle Morning. There's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of free resources to get started. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for your time. And yeah, I really love your newsletter. So keep that up. And I love your podcast. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you, Tristan. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks for everybody for listening. I really, really appreciate this. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it. 